Hello and welcome to Grass-Fed and Grace-Led podcast. I'm Maddie Rose and today I have a special guest, my lovely friend and fellow homesteader, Bajent Baker from Baker Hill Farm. So welcome and thanks for joining me today. Yeah, I'm excited. So, um, you know, some of my listeners are uh, fellow friends of ours from church, but I know other people that are listening don't know who you are. And I just thought it would be interesting if you could just share a little bit about uh, your family and uh, your homestead just briefly, and then we'll chat more about it throughout the podcast. Well, we are a homesteading family of five. I have three children. Um, My husband is a firefighter paramedic and my oldest son is 12. I have a daughter that's 10 and my youngest is seven. And we have cows and pigs and chickens all on our 11 acre property in North Louisiana, where it is extremely hot right now. (laughs) Yes, it is really hot and dry. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had a lot of rain. Mm -mm. So uh, when did you get into homesteading? Like, is that something that you grew up doing or is this kind of a newer thing for you? So homesteading was not even a word I'd ever heard of. Um, My, I did not grow up around any sort of farm life. At one point I had a foster care family that actually had acreage, but they were by no means homesteaders. They didn't grow any food or, or anything like that. So the journey for us really began, um, not that long ago, probably like five or six years ago. I like to say it started around 2016, 2017, but I kind of feel like that is dependent upon your definition of homesteading. So for me, it was really that shift in mentality from being a constant consumer in life to to being a producer or desiring to um, have a little bit of control, not in the sense that, you know, you're in control of everything, but taking the middleman out of our daily lives, if, if it's at all possible. So yeah, that's really when it started for us. What was, what was something that like, maybe the first thing that you tried to um, produce for yourself? Hmm. Well, I think really just cooking from scratch. Um, Growing up, like, especially uh, in high school, middle school, you know, like Totino's pizzas and taquitos, like we lived off that and a lot of the frozen food. And so um, I had at one point kind of a health crisis in 2016. Mm -hmm. And um, I ended up in the hospital in the neutropenic ward and was really sick and um, their aunt, they didn't know what was wrong. So antibiotics were their answer. And then the antibiotics made me sick and their answer for the antibiotics was more antibiotics. So I really kind of started exploring taking care of my body through food and cooking from scratch really blossomed out of that, like really 
knowing what I'm making, um, making meals with whole food ingredients. So even though that's not like, you know, gardening or preserving or an animal, that really is where it began. That's awesome. I think I kind of did that backwards. I think I started with like chickens and then I was like, oh, I guess I need to make stuff with this. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm still learning how to make things from scratch, but it really is. I love that you pointed that out. Um, the health benefits. I have a lot of digestive issues myself. And that was something that got me paying attention to the ingredients. And, um, there's just a lot of extra stuff in food that doesn't need to be there. Yeah. And, and it's so much, I find actually that there's a lot of stuff out there that we buy like pre-made that doesn't need to be, it's like super easy to make at home. Yes. So that's, that's really neat. I think that's fascinating that, um, that's one of the things that really got you into this because I think it's pretty common actually amongst, at least as far as I can tell a lot of us uh, fellow quote unquote homesteaders that um, sometimes our health is one reason that we really get into it. So. Yes, definitely. I think that's, that's a huge thing. And especially I think even more so when it has a lot to do with your gut and discovering how, how a healthy gut is really just like makes your whole body work in unison. And there's so many foods we're consuming that are destroying our gut. Yeah. Is there, is there anything in particular for you that was a problem? Yeah. So, um, like I mentioned before the, the antibiotic situation where they didn't know what was wrong and then they, the antibiotics made me sick So to correct that, they gave me a different antibiotic. And so I had like no immune system. I mean, they wiped my gut of any um, beneficial bacteria. And that just wasn't really something we knew about then. I mean, this was kind of right before everybody was like, oh, probiotics. You know, I know that kind of was a trend a couple of years ago, but um, I really discovered that then. And so probiotics, probiotic rich foods is where it started, like yogurt and fermented food. Um, and, and cutting out a lot of those foods that are harmful to your gut, like, um, acidic sodas and things like that. That's, that's where that began. Okay. So I know that you guys have more recently moved to the farm that you're on now Mm -hmm. before that did you guys do any gardening and uh you know raising chickens or anything like that before you moved there yes so um right after that whole situation with my health we our plan had been to move to a little bit of acreage just so we had more room um justin likes to work on stuff that's my husband and he wanted a little bit more room outside and just not because we were in a neighborhood and we just didn't want to be on top of one another. So we moved to a little over two acres and we got chickens for the first time and we got pigs <laughs> and it was like, I don't know, it was like being just thrown into homesteading 
on like a full scale getting those pigs because you think you know what you're doing because you've watched some videos and then they quickly tell you that everything you researched was wrong. (laughs) So yeah, we did that. And then um, we actually moved from that house for several different reasons and bought a flip house. And our whole goal, goal with this flip house was it we were going to use it as an investment property to be our stepping stone for our farm property, which is how we got here. But while we were in that investment property, it was in a neighborhood. We still gardened. We still had chickens, even though we weren't really supposed to, but we still did the homestead thing. So. Very cool. Very cool. Um, for your pigs, what kind of pigs did you guys do at first? They were, I'm going to, I'm going to say the wrong thing. They were Duroc, they weren't Berkshire, they were some other cross and I always, Yorkshire, that's what it was, I think. And they, (laughs) they were just like, we ended up, um, selling them and it was, it was a whole mess, but. (laughs) yeah so we have pigs now but not the same breed (laughs) yeah you guys got like cooney cooney pigs yes and they are way more chill and less destructive that's awesome yeah I've I've always admired people that do pigs I think it's so cool but man those big those pigs get big for one like I I knew a girl that she actually ran like an entire 4-H pig farm and I had my little Cooney Cooney at the time and I was like blown away with how big they got. In hindsight, I can, you know, it was just a lot of things on our part that we did wrong. And it Mm. had a lot to do with where they were at on our property, but it was a very humbling experience. That's for (laughs) sure. God taught us a lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes those are the best things that we need. Yeah. All right. So since you guys have since moved to your farm, you haven't, have you been there a full year yet? Yeah, we, we moved here October, 2020. Okay. Yeah. See the COVID blip, like my brain's not like, okay. So you'll be almost two years now. Yes. Okay. So what do y'all have going on now? Well, so once we moved in, our main thing initial thing other than our chickens that we brought with us from our city lot was the garden. We have our garden is about 5,000 square foot Mm. and we grow a lot of food. Um, But after that, we planted an orchard, 26 fruit bearing trees and bushes. And um, we have our two coon coons. We have a steer for beef and we have a Jersey heifer that is hopefully bred um, and we are anticipating milk and then of course like every farm I feel like we have cats barn cats four of them right now and two dogs so oh yeah you mentioned the chickens yeah you guys have done uh, meat chickens and laying chickens correct yes so we have yeah. Is that, I, I hear that it can be very different to do the meat chickens versus layers. Is that your experience? For sure. They, they're way more maintenance. Um, in our experience, we 
we raised ours on pasture. We moved them every day. Um, our first set, we grew them out to eight weeks before butchering. And then our set that we did this year, we went to nine weeks. But because they grow so fast, they're just a lot more susceptible to health issues. Mm. And they eat so much. So the feed costs are a lot more. They are definitely not my favorite thing to raise for meat. But the good thing is, if you just do it once a year, then the cycle is like eight to nine weeks and you're done. Whereas a steer, you're managing that for a year and a half before you're taking it to be processed. Yeah, that's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Steers are cute though. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The meat chickens are a little uh, Franken chicken looking. Yeah, dinosaur, little dinosaur chickens. (laughs) So of all the things that you're doing right now, what would you say is like your favorite aspect of your homestead? Probably the garden and then preserving that's like hand in hand. I really enjoy that. Yeah. I love every time I go out to your place, your garden is growing. And I think that's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. And you guys, you do, um, no-till. Yes, we do the back to Eden style. Um, and yeah, we've done it for two years now and we really like it. We, we're not growing in raised beds. We, we're actually on the ground. So um, we use wood chips and compost and we've had great success with that method. Yeah, that's a, we've so far done mostly raised beds in the last couple of years because I was anticipating a ton of rain like last two years. A lot of my in the ground stuff was like drowning probably because mm-hmm. where it was like it didn't have great drainage. Um, so we did a bunch more raised beds this year and it's like so dry. So, you know, it is what it is, but I definitely, um, have learned a lot about the back to Eden stuff. And we're also going to try to do a little bit more of that, I think next year, but unlike you, you seem to have a really good, like green thumb. Um, I think I'm like better with the animals, (laughs) I just plant way more than I need because I know it's going to (laughs) die. Some of it's going to die. That's fair. That's kind of my philosophy, but it doesn't always even work out that well. Yeah. And then I don't have the heart to like, you know, thin it out. Oh yeah. You're like, oh, but it's all beautiful. And then all of a sudden you have like 5 million cucumbers. (laughs) So of all the things to grow in your garden, what's your favorite thing to grow? Hmm. So if you had asked me this last year, I would have said garlic, but that's not my answer this year because I had so many issues with garlic this year. So this year I would probably say melons or purple whole peas because, because of our climate, we are really hot and right now we're really dry they do really well if it's dry or if it's like super hot even if it's humid if you get a lot of rain and it's hot just the hot weather they thrive here and so I really am enjoying those because I'm successful at that (laughs) right now right that's like yeah if you can grow something successfully it's definitely going to be your new favorite 
Yes. What is something that you've tried to grow that like you really hoped would do well that you just really struggled with? Oh, onions, onions for (laughs) sure. Like I grew onions this year and I had a harvest and I've had some good looking onions, but overall it's not, I'm just haven't been successful at getting that nice big bulb that stores well. Um, it's just, it, it either gets too hot here or the bulbs don't get big enough or you pull them when you think it's time and they're mushy. Mm-hmm. I've just had such a hard time with that. Yeah. I've bought like onion starts a couple times and then just like, Oh, it's the wrong time to plant them. I guess I won't do it. <laughs> I have no idea. Mine, I would say for me has always been peppers because I actually like cooking with peppers, like bell peppers and stuff. And I can usually get the spicy ones to grow like jalapenos or green chili. Those usually do fine. But the sweet bell peppers, I, every time I plant them, they either get eaten by bugs or grow a little bit, have like three peppers and then get eaten by bugs. And, or they're like really tiny. Like my bell peppers are like, like almost cherry size sometimes. And I don't know why I keep trying. Keep trying. You can do it. Don't give up. (laughs) This year, I finally had some tomatoes. I've not had a good tomato crop for, I don't know, six years. So I guess count my blessings. Well, that's one of the, because tomatoes were rough for us that this year, we actually had to pull out like almost 50 tomato plants and I had to restart all of my tomatoes yeah so that's like that's kind of an area where I find there's that level of kind of like spiritual growth that we encounter even on the homestead because you make these plans and they rarely ever go to plan and you find yourself having to lean on God um, even for that kind of provision did you Do you feel like that's something that you experience in your own homestead as well? Oh, definitely. I think, um, and you know, it goes a lot back to, we're doing a study in church on Ecclesiastes. We can do all of these things. I mean, we can fill our pantry shelf and have all this food we've grown. And then, you know, we can have a fire in our home. So I think Mm -hmm. that with homesteading, it's really helped my perspective to be that whatever I receive, whatever comes from this, whatever the fruit of my labor is, I'm going to be thankful for it, whatever the size is, because ultimately it's from God and I'll have whatever he desires for me to have. So I'm thankful that with homesteading, God has really taught me to be more content with what I have. Mm-hmm. That, that can be really hard to do even on the homestead. Just that yeah. content, contentment, like for me, you know, struggling with, oh, I want this much more land or I want this and I want that. And I want, I wish I had planted apple trees 30 years ago. <laughs> but yeah I love that like reflecting and being thankful for 
you know, what God has given us now and the provision that he's given us and the temptation that many of us have. Cause you know, I know you mentioned health as one of the reasons you got into it. I don't know if kind of prepping is something else, but I know a lot of us that get into home studying kind of also do it as kind of not necessarily doomsday prepping. Some may be more extreme than others, but just that idea of like being self-sufficient and not having to rely on others. Yeah. Um, it can be really discouraging when you're looking forward to that and then you don't really produce as much as you'd hoped. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think about that a lot in particular, like the prepping aspect of it, because I think that prepping kind of has a really negative connotation around it. Um, but I think that in being prepared, there's a biblical aspect. You know, when you think about the Proverbs 31 woman, she was prepared for things. I mean, her family didn't do without. So, um, you know, I kind of pray about that. And I think about that when having, you know, when, when growing food or preserving food, I, that's kind of my goal, um, is being prepared in that way that I'm caring for my family because that's, that's the role that God's placed me in. But at the same time, I try not to cross that line where, I'm disappointed when it doesn't turn out the way I want or when God kind of turns our path, maybe like we get sick and we can't do all the things we wanted to do because that disappointment is, you know, it's ultimately me telling God that I'm not satisfied with what he's doing (laughs) and that's sin. So it's a really hard balance, I think, especially if, you know, you are on social media and you have other farms you follow for inspiration and they're, they've got all this food coming in and they're not dealing with real life circumstances. Both your and my dogs are barking at the same time. Yeah. This is, this is like, coming. <laughs> this is farm life and home life. Y'all we are not in a studio. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Cause I was like muting my mic. <laughs> Because my dog was barking and then your dog was funny. Oh, I'm sorry. Just like. Yeah, don't worry about it. Everybody else here probably has dogs and they know what's up. So, yeah. But yeah, I I love that. What you're talking about, the having a balance. Um, It just seems like so much of the Christian life is that, you know, finding a balance because, you know, you could easily kind of fall into legalism in some aspects but if you go too far the other direction then you know you're not really even considering obeying commandments that we are called to obey and I think the same thing is true with what you were saying like prepping and and versus being prepared like there's an element of where we're not trusting in God's provision or maybe even living in fear like being afraid you know that the world's gonna end or something and yeah. And not trusting God for provision and prepping out of fear and anxiety. But then at the same time, it doesn't mean that we have to be irresponsible or flippant and that we can't, you know, do our, our part to prepare for our families and try to help provide. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. And you do, like you said, one of the favorite things you like to do is to um, preserve food. So do you mostly then do canning or do you do canning and other methods of preserving food? I mostly can, but I also um, will ferment a lot of food and dehydrate. That's been a recent one that I've done. And a lady at our church has a freeze dryer. So I have been taking her some of my produce and she is so graciously freeze drying it for me. Oh, wow. What is that like? Like I've never even had anything that was really freeze dry. Does it like powder it or what does it do? It, it just sucks all the moisture out. So like you've probably had a freeze dried apple slice. They're like apple chips basically. So that's freeze dry. They just, all the moisture has been removed from it and, but all the flavor and the nutrients stay. So when you put it in your mouth, your mouth kind of rehydrates it. Um, and it can be really good, but then just depending on what it is, it can be kind of weird. Like I've had a zucchini that was freeze dried and when it rehydrated in my mouth, it was just not, at all what I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can kind of imagine that. I would imagine like something kind of plasticky feeling or something. Yeah. Kind of weird. Huh. Well, that's interesting. I'm going to have to find out who that is and then start giving her my produce as well. Just kidding. (laughs) I have almost no produce right now, except for zucchini and tomatoes. Hey, you can do a lot with that. Yeah. Um, so like, I'm super curious about your, your cows. Cause that's something I've never really had on my farm. You know, I've, I've I have horses, so I'm used to larger livestock and I've actually worked with people that have done like big time cattle ranching. I even took in a calf from them, um, to help kind of keep it alive for a few weeks. And that was kind of fun, but I've never had uh, dairy cattle or anything like that on my farm. So what made you decide to jump into getting cows? Girl, I love cheese (laughs) and I just want to make all the cheese and all the butter and have fresh milk. Um, the milk was a huge thing really because the milk we get from the store, you know, we're in Louisiana and it is completely illegal to sell raw milk. We cannot access raw milk. We can't even buy pet milk that's raw. So I really wanted some way to get raw milk and the benefits of those, those nutrients that are still in that raw milk before it's pasteurized. And really the only way to do that in Louisiana is to have the livestock yourself if you want to do it legally. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of our main reason. Were you hoping to do, um, like, I think you had mentioned, did you mention butter? Like, were you hoping to make butter and stuff like that too? Yes, definitely. I so badly want to make butter. You know, I have dairy goats and I don't have a cream separator, so I've never got to try to make butter before. Um, 
but I was looking into it the other day and like even just buying cream right now is pretty expensive but yeah to even try to make better but I guess it's cheaper than buying a cow (laughs) (laughs) so I guess I could do it if I wanted to make butter but yeah um cheeses have you made any cheeses yet um I've made like I think I made like just basic mozzarella but nothing no farmer's cheese I think it's even more basic than mozzarella but I've not made yeah I we don't have a cow and milk right now we're trying to get our heifer bread but that's my goal I am hoping this time next year that I am if I'm going to be sweating I want to be sweating in a barn (laughs) getting farm fresh milk (laughs) (laughs) yeah ain't that the truth sweating in Louisiana yeah yeah well you guys have been super patient with your jersey situation as well and I think that's just another reminder too for a lot of people that are even interested in in homesteading is that sometimes your best laid plans don't don't uh, work out and the you had a a uh, cow that was supposed to be in milk but she didn't work out right Yes, we we had a jersey um, that we bought when we got this heifer and she we bought her and she was bred and um, we were told, you know, a lot of things about her and we had super high hopes, but that's just how it goes. You have to know that um, you don't always get the whole story when you're dealing with humans Mm -hmm. and she was not all she was cracked up to be. So we actually processed her, um, but the steer we have is her steer. So we kept him for beef. Um, And then our other cow that we bought at the same time as her is the heifer. And she was just supposed to be like a companion with her, but she's also a Jersey and she's very bossy and very rude (laughs) and needs an attitude adjustment. So once she's bred, it is going to be like boot camp for Rose the angry heifer because <laughs> we're gonna make this work. I feel like we're in a time where food costs are rising and it's just gonna have to work whether she likes it or not. Yeah. Well, I'm brewing for you because that would be so exciting and I'm sure you guys will figure that part out. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see. I'll tell you what, though, like even with dairy goats, there's so many times where I would just, especially when I first started learning how to milk, because you think like, oh, man, dairy goat, and you just have like this like idyllic image, like I'm going to go out there and I'm going to milk and it's going to be grand and I'm going to come inside and make cheese. But <laughs> then your goat doesn't want you to milk her. So she sits down on the stand or she... I had one that would, she would time it where she would kick her foot into the milk pail, like at the end. Oh my gosh. And I would just cry because then it's ruined. You know, I'd give it to the chickens or the dogs or something, but uh, I, I cried a lot in the beginning with frustration, but then I learned some tips. You know, I learned to pour out regularly as I was milking. So if she ended up doing that, then it was only at the end and not all of the milk or, you know, like literally, I think that's where the no crying over spilled milk thing comes from. 
yes (laughs) yeah they kick the pail over and you just like uh especially I started out with really little goats at first and they were like really hard to milk because they're so tiny you have to use like two fingers to milk them (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) so far far cry from a cow so but yeah milking's an adventure in and of itself and homesteading's an adventure and I thought it was, it's so cool that, you know, we go to the same church together and it wasn't long after we had started going there that we met you guys and found out you were into uh, homesteading as well. And in fact, you had more recently moved to your house and then at the time you had goats, right? Yes, we did. We had two um, Nigerian dwarfs. And you decided you didn't like Nigerian dwarfs. No, we liked them, but um, this is like another one of those homesteading skills where you barter. Mm. And at the time, we really needed perimeter fencing for our property. So we actually traded our two goats for pipe so that we could fence our property. (laughs) Awesome. That's a good trade, though. Yeah, it was. I felt like it was a pretty good trade. I didn't feel like we got the short end of the stick. That's for sure. Yeah. And plus, yeah, if you have like other livestock, the fencing is like a really big deal. Yes. And our plan was always cows eventually. And so the the perimeter fencing was a big deal. Yeah. I, yeah, always, always fencing, always fencing. Um. You know, so you mentioned that you have three kids and y'all homeschool. Mm-hmm. So how, like your daily lives, like how do you incorporate your whole family into your homestead? And, you know, if you're homeschooling, if you kind of do that at all intentionally. Uh, we do try to do that intentionally. We really want um, to work together as a family, I think that is missing from a lot of family units um, in our day. And so I try to be intentional about that. We, we alternate our animal chores so nobody gets burnt out. And then during the months where we have um, a lot going on in the garden, we'll wake up early together, me and the kids. And before it's too hot, we'll go out and weed together and I usually set a time limit of like 30 minutes because, you know, who wants to weed for an hour, especially when you're seven. So we'll go out and weed together and then come in and make breakfast. Um, And then we'll alternate checking chores or taking pigs scraps. And me and my oldest son usually move all the animals because we rotationally graze our animals. Mm. So we're typically the ones moving the animals, but we do and let the girls help with like, you know, moving the feeders or the waterers or, you know, holding a post. I try to make sure that they, they feel useful because even though they kind of grumble, like they have to do work, they do really take, they do really benefit from feeling like they were doing something that helped the whole family. Yeah. So, Yeah, it's always, you know, I just see so many people with like farm kids and they learn so many useful skills at such a young age. It's, it's really encouraging to see other families 
really intentionally um, involving their kids in the work on the farm and whatever they're doing. There's so much learning that can be done in the, in the day-to-day stuff out there. Doesn't necessarily have to be with a book all the time. Right. Yes. We, I mean, so much of our biology has been from the farm. I mean, my kids, when we process chickens, they're right there. They all have a job, whether it's um, cutting legs or, you know, um, picking off the last feathers that the plucker missed, um, whatever. So we, we talk about all these things. And I think that's just the best way for them to learn is, is hands-on. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, my I think it's funny how, see, I'm so different now, even though I grew up like as an animal lover, but my, my oldest son being raised on a farm and being exposed to like um, processing birds and dying animals because that happens on a farm very regularly. Um, just as a young kid, he was like never as like, affected by that kind of thing like I would have like I the first time I had to put a chicken down because it was like maimed severely by um, predator I was like sobbing and ridiculous (laughs) and he's he saw that you know for really young age and so I would like he wanted to come watch and I told him I warned him and he's like it's okay you know like it's just part of life and it's better for them that they're not suffering and I was like wow you're like six at the time and here I am like this like grown adult like bawling my eyes out (laughs) oh my gosh yeah but it's 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 really cool to see um other families it's still to this day it's kind of it seems like it's gaining some traction in our generation. Um, families going back to the their roots, kind of homesteading and doing stuff like that. Yeah, I think so. So um, I know that you have an Instagram and you recently started a YouTube channel. Um, at the end of this, I'll let you direct people that way. But I'm just kind of curious, what was your... Uh, inspiration or what are your goals um, for doing your Instagram and your YouTube channel? So our Instagram kind of just started as a fun way to connect with like-minded people. Um, You know, it's not every day you meet somebody within your community that is a homesteader, but also a believer. And so it was a way for us to find like-minded people and kind of share any knowledge that we've gathered. That was a big factor in the YouTube, starting a YouTube channel, because we kind of had some people that followed us on Instagram, and a lot of the things that we had learned from YouTube and other people, they hadn't yet learned these things, and YouTube was such a was so helpful. I mean, the internet, even though it can be detrimental, it can be really helpful and we learn so much. So, you know, we just kind of wanted to share our knowledge um, so it could benefit other people in the same way that we were benefited by so many others, if that makes sense. Yes, that makes great sense. I've used YouTube so much to learn stuff. 
I sometimes question like how anybody learned how to do anything before YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because I'll read it in a book and I'm like, okay, tell me that again. And you can watch it on YouTube and it's just, just seeing it is so much easier than reading it usually. Yes. Yeah. And I guess, you know, well, you didn't grow up homesteading I didn't grow up homesteading so neither of us had that like hands-on kind of mentorship experience so I think that's really cool that you guys are you know kind of giving back with that in the YouTube um, sphere of things and sharing your knowledge yeah it's fun yeah and it, you know, like it can be kind of weird, like even with starting my podcast, you kind of feel weird, like sharing it, like you're trying to promote yourself, but um, it's not yourself that you're trying to promote. You're just trying to help others, you know, from what you've learned. And I think yeah, that's- exactly. I think, um, you know, you can get information. It's not that whatever you're saying, you're the only person who's ever said it in history. It's just that some people can learn or listen to certain people a little bit better than they can others. You know, everybody kind of has two people could be teaching the same thing, but you're going to connect or kind of be able to take in or comprehend what one is saying a little bit easier than you can the other. So um, that's at least how we have been so we thought, you know, there's room, there's room for us to share what, what we've learned here. That's yeah. I'm the same way. There's some people that I can listen to better than others. And I love that there's so much variety out there for people to kind of find their, their groove yeah, and, and learning. So um, in terms of your homestead goal for the, this upcoming year, just what are some, things that you haven't done yet. I know you're waiting on your cow to hopefully be bred, but is there anything else that you're hoping to shift or start or do in the next year or so on your homestead? Hmm. Well, we, we really do want to grow all of our own produce and that's a really huge goal, but that is definitely something we're working towards. We're really going to try to stretch our growing season this year and grow, Lord willing, more food than we've ever grown before. Mm. Um, just because, you know, a big thing for me in the garden, it's not all about, oh, I just want to like grow all my own food. But it's also, since I stay at home, it's a way for me to contribute to our family financially by growing it instead of purchasing it at the store. So I think that's even more so important to me now that prices are rising, but you know, people aren't getting paid more. So that's just kind of a way that I feel like I can contribute to our finances without having to go outside of the home. I love that. That's so important. Um, you know, for a lot of us stay at home wives, moms, that there's kind of not necessarily from our own husbands, but we can feel that pressure to kind of contribute. Um, and that there's ways that we can do it by growing your own, if you can, or 
making food from scratch, a lot of that is a lot more affordable. Right. And it's not, it's not all about making money, but saving money, saving money is essentially making money. So. Yes, absolutely. That is something that uh, I'm terrible at. (laughs) (laughs) I spend, yeah, I order a lot of theology books, so. Know this. Yeah. Because I borrowed them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm on a budget for that now. So (laughs) (laughs) I was talking of speaking of like prepping and stuff. I was like, if they stop if they stop producing books uh that I want to read, then that's gonna be so bad for you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, now that I've but I bought so many books I don't know if I'll ever be able to read them all but (laughs) they're there but yeah so well that's really encouraging and I love I love learning from you and your uh gardening stuff um it's you know I'm so weird sometimes like that the things that I don't try to do for the reasons that I don't try to do them Uh, A lot of times it's like, I'm afraid to go out of my comfort zone or literally as soon as I read something about like pH levels for certain plants, like I think like my eyes glaze over (laughs) and I start like, I don't know, daydreaming about more theology books or something because uh, (laughs) yeah, as soon as I start like pH level this and this, and I'm like, what? I just want to put it in the ground and watch it grow. That's where you got to start. Yeah. And there is so much to learn just by doing it. Um, yeah, I encourage that. I, I, uh, encourage a lot of people I know because that's how I've had to learn is just like, just do it, just plan it. You figure it out as you go. Right. One day you realize that all those bugs crawling on your zucchini is, uh, bad and <laughs> you should kill them and not let them keep <laughs> our neighbor actually and he's like he's an older guy and he's been gardening for decades and he didn't know what uh squash bugs were and he's like yeah I don't know what all those are (laughs) oh you should kill those (laughs) yes definitely yeah but and it's a learning so um you know we'll wrap this up here but I've really enjoyed my conversation with you and um I really there's so many different things that I'm looking forward to talking with you about. We have a lot of very shared interests and um, we've had some good conversations off the record and I definitely hope to do this again for sure. Oh, me too. Yeah. I'm so glad that um, you had me on here. Yeah. I'm, I'm super happy. And if you guys didn't know my awesome logo is drawn by Bajent. And so I don't know if you're advertising your services, but I'm advertising it for you. Oh, well, thank you. You're so nice. <laughs> so if you need anything, like you've done like different stickers and it looks like you've done logos for other people before as well, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, check that out for sure. I'm super happy with mine. I just kind of like text you randomly one day, like, hey, I have an idea. Can you do it? And you, yeah, you did a great job. So I'm super, I'm super happy with my little lamb laying on a Bible. 
Um, but yeah, why don't you direct people to your Instagram and your YouTube channel so they can find you? All right. So both of those handles are Baker Hill Farm. You can just type in Baker Hill Farm on YouTube, um, Baker Hill Farm on Instagram, and you will find me. I have glasses. So that's how you know it's me, Bajan and Justin Baker. Awesome. And I will get those links from you and I'll put them in the show description. So if you weren't able to write that down while you're listening, you can go in the notes as well and find her that way. So thank you again, friends, for listening. Uh, Thanks again to Bajan for spending the time with me today. And uh, just sharing a little bit about her homestead and how she got into it. And also, you know, things that she's learned um, on the homestead with um, just all the different ups and downs that you get and the goals and everything, but always staying focused on the Lord. And I'm so thankful to have you as a sister in Christ at my church and in my neck of the woods-ish ish (laughs) we're kind of we're far apart but we're ish close together uh but yeah I'm I'm so thankful to have you in my life and also on my podcast so I love you (laughs) so I hope that you all continue to be grass-fed and grace-led thank you so much today for joining us and god bless